Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. If you're looking for a nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation and discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about our last Anime Trending Awards episode, which is about the Aspect Awards. Um, Aspect Awards is really just a fancy term for the more technical awards. So, in this case, and people have asked us this already, but we do have a committee that vote on the nominees. And our usual rules is that we nominate two uh, nominees from each season. And to make it a perfect 10, uh, at the end of the year, we have a ranked voting that decides uh, what are the final two nominees that make it to the list. Uh, now, a fun fact is that we are, uh, since especially this year, it's kind of special, is that last year we had, I think, five or six back-to-back two-core fall anime. And as you guys all know, back-to-back uh, fall two-core anime Tend are going to be slot into the next year, so 2024's Anime Trending Awards instead. So in a case where it's like a back-to-back two-core anime from the prior year that gets voted in to the nomination slot, we just add one. So we can have a total of 12, but usually it is 10 because having so many back-to-back two-cores in fall is honestly pretty rare. Like I said, 2023 was a very, very unique situation happening. Uh, so with that being said, the Aspect Awards that we do have is Best in Adaptive Screenplay, Best in Animation, Best in Character Design, Best in Episode Direction and Storyboard, Best in Original Screenplay, Best in Sceneries and Visuals, uh, Best in Soundtrack, and Best in Voice Cast. So we're just going to go through each of the section one at a time. And first up, and we go in alphabetical order, but first up is Best in Adapted Screenplay. So Best in Adapted Screenplay is specifically the dialogue, the script of, um, of the story of the series adapted from an original source material, whether it is a video game or a light novel series or, you know, a manga, which tends to be the most common one, manga, uh, manga adaptations. Uh, there are a few caveats, uh, and I think we kind of saw it this year with uh, the whole Barbie thing going on in regards to which screen, which screenplay does it fall into? Is it original screenplay or uh, adaptive screenplay when it's based off of a very popular merchandise or based off a popular series? In which case, we do decide it will be original screenplay if the only thing that is really associated with something prior is just the name and everything else is new. And a good example is honestly uh, Gundam Witch from Mercury. That Gundam series have been going on for a very, very long time. And you could easily say that it is adapted, but in um, Witch from Mercury's case, the whole storyline is so separate and unique. And it's just the only thing they really borrow is the name Gundam. Um, It goes into original screenplay. Uh, so with that being said, Adaptive Screenplay, our nominees are Bungo Stray Dogs. Uh, is it wrong to pick up Girls in a Dungeon, uh, Season 4, Part 2, Jujutsu Kaisen, Season 2, My Happy Marriage, Oshinoko, A Skip and Loafer, Spy Family, Season 2, Tengoku Daimakyo, The 100 Girlfriends Who Really, 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 Really Love You, and Vinland Saga, Season 2. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, not as many nominees for us to go through in this case because we do limit it. But, you know, um, Agnes, I know that you're going to let us influence you. So I'm going to go ahead and ask Isabel, you know, do you did you have um, choices in mind already of these 10? Oh, yeah, of the 10, um, let's see, the two or I think two or three that I wanted to vote for was, well, definitely Bungo Stray Dogs and then Oshinoko. Mm-hmm. And Skip and Loafer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I think Skip and Loafer is definitely one that I wanted to, to, to vote for just because I thought its adaptation was pretty good for kind of a show that I, I wasn't sure if it would do well or not. You know, I, for a school romance, I feel like it usually falls flat or it's just like, okay. And I think that's kind of the effect that I had, like, personally when I watched Horimiya, for example. Like, I really, really liked the manga. But when it came to the anime, I mean, I thought it was good too, but I didn't think it was spectacular um, in a sense. And I ended up not even watching Horamiya pieces as well. Interesting. mm -hmm. But Skip and Loafer, I think the first season was good enough that the fact that I actually do want to see how they'll adapt, you know, a second season and everything and how they like 
you know, made the characters still interesting. Like, I know there's a lot of dialogue in this type of show, but the fact that, you know, I'm still invested in the character or characters and then the little stories they go through, even if it's typical, like, you know, school, event, festival, like, this is standard stuff that you would see. Uh, I, I still thought it was interesting, especially the way they handled the, those conversations. Um, and so that's why I think Skipping Wilfer would definitely get my vote. Uh, Oshinoko as well, but and then there's Bungo, but I, I mean, I didn't finish Bungo still, so I still, I, I'm not sure which one I'll actually vote for. I'm staying away from Spy Family, just because in the last episode, I, you know, I didn't like the filler aspect, because I, I really don't know if that was actually part of the manga or not. Actually, they might have added it. And I can't say for Vinland Saga. I feel like you two might vote for that instead as well in terms of adapted screenplay. But yeah. those are my initial thoughts. Sorry, go uh, ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh, Skipping Loafer was actually one of my choices, I think. Because I oh, believe you can okay. pick two or... Th- is it two or three? It's I, uh, two. Yeah, it's two. limited at two. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Skipping Loafer, I definitely think, was one of them. Um, Skipping Loafer, the dialogue is beautiful. I, like, mm-hmm. I, I think the dialogue fits each of the characters so well. And there's something so beautiful about the prose it's not even prose it's dialogue but it it feels like prose sometimes the way they talk especially when Mitsumi is having her internal thoughts it's just kind of like like if you even you just type it out and read it it's just very very beautiful (laughs) so um so yeah I I definitely also voted for Skippin' Loafer um honestly this was really hard because I feel like there's four of them that's very deserving um, obviously Vinland Saga is incredibly good. I, I think my favorite part of Vinland Saga is that they added things from the manga, which the, um, the, the mangaka Yukimura Sensei have been tweeting about explaining, like, these are stuff that was added that I wasn't originally in the manga and especially loving the stuff that they added in there. Uh, for example, um, you know, uh, for example, Einar, he, uh, we, we don't see his backstory at all in the manga he he shows up and he's kind of more comedic relief a bit and he, we just know that he's been a slave for a while and he was taken from somewhere and like and obviously he, he lost his family to uh to pillaging and that's sort of the extent of who he is really and then for the series very purposefully expanded on it where we get almost like an entire episode from his pov of what his life was like before the vikings came or warriors came and then um and then how they destroyed everything how he lost his entire family and even honestly the part that like struck me the most about his backstory was when he was on the boat essentially getting transported to a slave trade and one of the women was sick and they grabbed the woman and just tossed her overboard and just the horror of watching that happen and knowing that you know it's like you're tossing rod and food over is what it is and so that part really struck me and it's these small little things that they added into the story that I thought really really added um spice to it oh another big thing is Arn Arn Arnade is that how you pronounce her name uh, Arnhide Arnhide I think Arnhide Arnhide's yeah. backstory with her husband Oh my god, everyone agreed that the anime made it so much more impactful because they added things to it and they rearranged how the story was told. Um, I remember one huge Finland Saga fan tweet, like, they tweeted that, you know, when they read the chapter, they, they felt heartbroken for her specifically, but they didn't feel heartbroken themselves about it. It's just they feel bad for a particular character. But watching the anime... They were like, I feel bad, like not even just like for someone, but just me personally, I feel awful. And that was because of the changes that the anime made. So um, so if it comes to adaptations in that case, I definitely think Vinland Saga season two deserves a shout out for that regard because of the fact that, um, you know, part of part of adapting something is making changes to make it fit better to the medium. And that's exactly what the Vinland Saga team did as well. Um, uh, Bungo Stray Dogs is really just... These two last seasons were excellent. <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> like, I don't know how else to describe it's, it. They, I can't choose. <laughs> yeah, they were just excellent. That's all it was at the end of the day. They were excellent. So why why the heck would they not deserve it? 
Um, and the final one, which is the 100 girlfriends, uh, the reason why, and I know that sounds like a cracked answer, but I promise it's not. Um, and the reason why is they actually also made adaptational changes to make it fit better to the medium. And I actually think it's very funny because honestly, the manga is pretty hard to adapt. Like I've seen manga panels and when this anime was announced, all these manga readers are like, I have no idea how they're going to adapt <laughs> this. And then they ended up adapting it by changing the way that it was said or the way that it was portrayed and adding in other stuff. Like the one thing that everyone is waiting on is the infamous panel from 100 Girlfriends where he starts like ranting about all his girlfriends and how every single one of them is amazing. And it's just one full page of all those tiny words. And people are like, we're just waiting to see how that would get adapted because they've managed to pull everything else off in regards to adapting like panels that you would think is not possible for an anime. So they're like, we have no idea what they're going to do for that. So I think that also deserves praise as well. But yeah, so that's sort of my uh, my thoughts on it's four, but I think I ultimately still pick Vinland Saga season two and skip and loafer. So yeah. Interesting. I'm actually kind of interested why you guys wouldn't have chosen like Jujutsu Kaisen season two as adapted best in screenplay. Or would that be more of a difficult, uh, not difficult, but a different technical award that you would have given Jujutsu Kaisen for? Mm, let's see. I didn't give it to Jujutsu Kaisen because I think... The Shibuya arc was, I felt like the, at least in terms of the way it was set up, like especially around Nanami's episode, like the way it was set up for me, I thought it would be kind of like he would be narrating that whole episode, but he wasn't. And so I felt like there was like a disconnect there. It felt like, it felt like the the show in general was focusing more on animation and battles, which is absolutely correct but still mm. i felt like i i wasn't getting what i was getting in other people or the, not other people but other like shows shonen shows like my hero um or bleach that I, uh, that i had been watching I see. Mm-hmm. okay there was no like personal story investment yeah. other than at the end that nanami reveals like oh i can finally like mm-hmm. rest and go to malaysia right i see okay. yeah like i didn't feel that connection which i felt like i would have felt maybe a little bit more in the manga but then also um yeah, I just feel like the character buildup ne- just needed more, in a sense, um, in terms of it felt like they were just focusing on those panels that were important, yes, but then they, I felt like they could have built on it more. Um, but yeah, I just didn't get that feeling, so I was just like, okay, I'm just here for the fights, and that was pretty much it for me. Um, but yeah, what about you, Gracie? Why didn't you consider it as so, well? I both agree and disagree with you, because I actually think the Not On Me episode was one of the best ones, in the sense that... Um, <laughs> So in the manga, he just internally narrates where he was like, oh, I I wish I was in Malaysia. But the anime specifically interlaying it between him imagining he's in Malaysia with his fighting, I thought was much more impactful in that regard. So in that case, I did think it elevated it from the original source material. But I agree with what you said about the others, which is they feel like they were more focused on the fight. That was the only real line of dialogue that in the Shibuya arc that I, that I felt connected to, which is the Nanami episode where he was like, oh, Malaysia. And it's like so slow and drawn. Obviously, that's also Suda-san's amazing voice acting. But it's just like, but that was the only one where I felt like the storytelling, the dialogue elevated something. But like the prior ones, it's just like, yeah, I think they're more focused on the fight. And it's it's especially hard to adjust because I think the hidden inventory arc is very heavy on the storytelling and the dialogue. And it does an excellent job in that regard. But then it's kind of like they just step back into just a lot of fist fights. And granted, JJK's fights are... I do think are better in the sense that no one messes around. Like there's no monologuing or like, (laughs) yeah, like they just go straight in and no one's hesitating at all. (laughs) And so, which is like, it really does feel like a real fight because of that. Cause they're like, like there's no point in talking. This is just straight up war. Um, But at the same time, it does kind of like take away sort of the presence of characters and their dialogue. I don't know, like the Shibuya arc, something about it just took it away a little more, especially coming from hidden inventory. So yeah. Got it. Okay. In that case, I'll probably put my vote into Vinland Saga season two, 
um, because I also agree that a lot of the dialogue and the characterization was done really well to flesh out the whole slavery arc story. Um, and then for my last one, <clears throat> I'm debating if I want to put it into Oshinoko, even though I haven't watched it. I know that the the overall reception for Oshinoko's adapted screenplay was really good. Uh, Skip and Loafer or The Hundred Girlfriends because it's kind of like a gag joke. <laughs> and I did take a look at some of the panels and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe I yeah, should actually watch it. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it. it's, it's impressive that they were able to translate that to the screen, which is once again, a lot of the Hundred Girlfriend manga fans were like, how are they going to do this? And then they were like, okay, well played, well played. So... <laughs> I was gonna say, did no one here watch Tengoku Daimakyo? Was it just me or? I watched I didn't half watch of it. If you watched half of it, there you go. Okay, but you it, it seems like you weren't super into it or? I wasn't too into it. Okay. Interesting. Even though you're the sci fi lover in our group, this type of sci fi is odd. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I I was gonna say Tengoku Daimaki is one of those where it's like not typical sci-fi, so yeah, it's a little different. Actually, you know, I I screwed myself over because I was watching it with you, Gracie, when uh we were at your place. Uh Um, and so I had that mindset that the characters were different, but then apparently the what we had what I had watched at your place was a flashback episode. And so oh, when, I start, dear. when I restarted the series, I had completely different. I was like, my timeline and starting the series is totally different because Oops. I thought, because <laughs> I thought the person hadn't gotten like the whole, uh, like reconstructive surgery or something. And I was like, oh wait, that was in the past. Oh, this is a different character. Oh no, I got this all wrong. Oh dear, poor Isabel. It's yeah, okay. she got you got you basically got spoiled in that case. Yeah, in a sense, like I knew what happened, but then. Like I knew that the character was like he was like yeah I'm a I'm a like a boy on the inside type of thing I was like okay I knew that but now he's talking about it I'm like uh oh <laughs> but yeah I um, see okay but why did yeah uh, so like what are your thoughts on Tengoku Daimakyo then Gracie for that um I do think it's an excellent adaptation because I know they changed a lot to mm-hmm. fit the series better. My one thing that I hesitate on is that at the end of the series, there's a huge moment in the manga where um, SA happens and you see it very, very explicitly. And everyone agrees that the anime did do a better job of adapting that particular storyline. Um into it it's a lot more nuanced and or i don't know like gentle is not the right word oh gosh what's the word i'm thinking about um it's a lot more respectful in the way that the anime adapted it than the manga but at the same time everyone also agrees that this part of the storyline was wholly unnecessary like it did not need to be in there and the only reason why this essay happened was to spur, um, was to spur, uh, oh, what's her name again? Or their name, Kino. Um, it's the one where it's like, I'm, uh, it's the person that was like, you know, I'm a boy inside, but their whole storyline is that they're holding on to the fact that they're a boy because their brain is a boy, but their brain got transplanted into a girl's body. And so it's very like, you know, body dysphoria, figuring out who you are and stuff. And the SA kind of like forced them to realize that it's not as simple as they like to think anymore. But everyone's like, you could have done that without the SA. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think like, and it, it sucks because that means that, you know, the anime is getting punished for something that the manga did really badly. But in the face of all the other excellent options I have, I'm going to pick the more excellent options. So. <laughs> got it, got it. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is Best in Animation. Uh, we have Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Swordsmith Village Arc, Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, Onimai, I'm Now Your Sister, Overtake, uh, Spy Family Season 2, Tengoku Daimakyo, Idol Master Cinderella Girls, U149, Trigun Stampede, Sudene, The Linking Shot, and Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead. Um, I picked pretty easily out of this. 
Um, I picked Tsurune, the linking shot. Um, I mean, first of all, it's a little hard for Kyoto Animation to not deliver good animation in the first place. But with, um, but I think the animation really pulled through for the second season. So that was my first pick. And then uh, my second pick, I think I actually went with Trigon Stampede because it's not the usual animation in this whole uh, list of nominees, but... It was excellent and it was beautiful and I just cannot get that last episode out of my head. Like I see it so clearly. So I feel like for it to make such a big impact, it's pretty important. So yeah, those are my two pretty easy um, off the spot sort of thing. Uh, what are you guys thinking? <laughs> Agnes, what are your picks? Hmm. I'm debating between choosing Zom 100 of the Dead. Okay. And then earlier we were talking about how Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, while it's hard to adapt and make the best out of the screenplay. They do have the best in animation anyway. Um, so I was wondering, maybe I should also just put Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2. Although I'm a little bit torn because it's kind of like, well, obviously everyone's going to choose Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2. Is there another show that I should pick to kind of like balance out the votes? I mean, I do know Onimai was insane in animation. <laughs> I've seen some of the clips of Onimai and it's very interesting, but I don't know if it's something that I would pick as best in animation just because i haven't seen the full length of the the uh, animation process from okay. like episode one to the end i know for sure that i can at least put some 100 because i definitely watched it mm-hmm. um and then all the other ones like trigon stampede surune i've seen the, sh- the the clips on surune and then uh, jujutsu kaisen for sure what about you isabel uh for me i yeah i just only definitely just gave it to jujutsu kaisen because okay. i enjoyed it and then the other one was Trigon Stampede as well for ah, me. Ah, so you also voted for Trigon Stampede. <laughs> yes, I thought the animation, yeah, like you said, is different, but it's the one that definitely sticks out the most to me and the one I was like most happy with uh, watching, I feel like. Anybody, did you, either of you watch Demon Slayer? I'm curious about that. I've kind of no, dropped Demon, I didn't Slayer, watch Demon Slayer, so I don't know. I did. This season was not it, fam. It was not it. Was it. Not oh, it. Okay. <laughs> Tell us more, sis. Give us the tea. I mean, the thing is, okay, first of all, this is why it's not in best adapted screenplay. They did a horrible job adapting the series. And, you know, the AN reviewer got a lot of flack for saying, like, they're getting tired of Demon Slayers. But that's exactly how I felt watching this series or this season in particular. It was feeling exhausting. Um, they mm-hmm. They definitely messed up in how to adapt the story. But it's like animation wise nothing really stood out in that regard to me at the end of the day and it's like yeah like i i don't there was there wasn't anything that really just spoke to me at all it this was definitely the most disappointing of the season so far (laughs) Mm, okay very interesting yeah i almost want to say like you should just skip this arc and just do the next one (laughs) so the next one will be easier to adapt because it's a training arc so it's kind of made more for episodic reasons but yeah this arc was it was not it girlies it was not it (laughs) (laughs) all right good to know um okay so one thing i do want to ask you guys is does anyone know anything about the idol master cinderella girls u149 because i mean our committee voted for it and i haven't seen a single thing about it so i don't remember this you're i don't, I don't think you're asking the right crowd Casey. <laughs> <laughs> first of all um second of all to answer your question directly no i have not watched it i think the the our committee who put together best in animation they're really good at picking out the right scenes for best in animation so people just see it through the links that they send us and then they they just vote on it and saying like oh it looks great for animation so i'll give the credit to them there but at the same time like i don't know fam i'm not into idol girls <laughs> I, I feel like we need, might need to find some clips to be like why is it here so <laughs> do you want me to find it for you while we, we, skip? Uh, we can sure skip i mean but we're about to move on to character design so that's true maybe maybe we'll do it another time then okay um in this case i think i'll solidify my vote for jujutsu kaisen season two and zom 100 okay although trigun okay. stampede is really close because i do like million knives as animation hmm mm. <laughs> oh knives <laughs> uh, yes no you cannot cure knives gracie you're not his phys- you're not his therapist Oh gosh. Uh, for context, everyone, I, the last episode of Dragon Stampede for some reason made me really empathize with knives that I basically DM'd Agnes. It's like, I think I can fix him. <laughs> so, um, you yeah. are completely Delulu girly. <laughs> uh, 
Alrighty, so, um, oh, I will like to say, though, Overtake's animation is very good. It's like, it's like one of those very subtle animation where it's a lot of character acting. Um, I don't think it's gonna win, and especially in comparison to a lot of the other ones, I think it's gonna be a long shot, but it deserves a nom, so just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> Alrighty, best in character design. We have Bleach, Thousand Year uh, Blood War, The Separation, Bungo Stray Dogs, Hell's Paradise, Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, Oshinoko, Skip and Loafer, Stardust Telepath, Sugar Apple Fairy Tale, The 100 Girlfriends Who Really, 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 Really Love You, and The Ice Guy and His Cool Female Colleague. Thoughts? Comments? I have a feeling I know which one Isabel chose, but I want to <laughs> wait and see. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. My vote just went straight there. Uh, <laughs> so can I, can I guess it? Yes. <laughs> Is it Bleach and Sugar Apple Fairy? Oh, close. No, I did not close. choose Sugar Apple. Oh, you didn't. Okay, wait. Is okay. the other one, would the other one be Oshinoko then? It is. Yeah. Yes. Wow, you there you go. Me. Wow. Wait, how did you pick Oshinoko out of the others now? I'm curious. Because I think it's because the last couple episodes that we did, you chose Oshinoko pretty often. Mm -hmm. So I just guessed from empirical data. <laughs> Very good. Scientific guess. Yes, a scientific <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I do think that Oshinoko definitely has really good animation. And I would definitely choose Bleach because it's like, they drip. They have the coolest drip uh -huh. in all anime characters. We've talked about this for, for a while now, too. So even though I haven't watched Bleach, I do have to admit that the character designs that they made for the Thousand Year Blood War is very cool. I've seen some of the stuff in the manga, too. It's very cool looking. Yeah, I really love Taikubo's designs regardless uh, of the story. And then I think that's the separation as well. Um, if you just look at like uh, if the opening, they're all dressed in like modern day clothing, which yeah, I was very happy Yeah, he does that. About. It's really cool. I love it when he does that. Mm -hmm. it, it adds so much more flavor and it makes it more fun for the characters. Like an AU yeah. sort of imagine your character in like a modern world, right? Yeah, otherwise we just see them in their, you know their um, Shinigami clothes and it's just yeah. black and white but now we get to see them in streetwear and things like that just like oh okay um, something different and the other thing that I didn't realize is when I you know when you read the manga it's like black and white um, a lot of the characters actually have like abilities as well and they're like glowing <laughs> and yeah. they're different colors that I didn't obviously imagine in my head and so I really like seeing that on screen Oh, I'm watching the opening right now. They're they're all full of drip. I love it. It's <laughs> it fun. looks so like, good. Yeah, like it's because like you know like when you watch Bleach in the very and now we're on a Bleach rant now at this point. <laughs> when you watch Bleach in the the beginning days, a lot of the the, the clothing that they're wearing is like typical like really cool 2000s trendy clothing. But I'm really glad that for the new Bleach Thousand Year War arc. All the characters in modern clothing, they're kind of like upgraded now to like the late 20s, right? Mm -hmm. So it they all look very modern and very chic and not like super trashy like skater dude like they did back in the oh, early yeah. 2000s. That was cool back then, but it's not that cool anymore. So Yeah, it's not cool anymore. But yeah, I didn't vote for Sugar Apple because I, I do like the design, but I think I'm more drawn to like the the Sugar Apple designs, I guess. The... The things that she makes instead. Oh, I, I the food. I see. Okay. Yeah, I like the food more than the people sometimes in the show. Gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, those are my two votes. What about you, either Agnes or Gracie? Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, here's a fun fact, is Agnes guessed my votes. <laughs> oh. Sugar Apple Fairy? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah. So first of all, Bleach, I think, is just so iconic. And... One thing that cannot be understated is when we're talking about character design, we're not just talking about their faces. We're talking about their clothes. And that's the what drip. really nails is the fashion. <laughs> so um, I think uh, I think it, like people have said that there is a direct line where they can trace how Bleach, the manga, had affected streetwear. And mm -hmm. the newest Bleach returning has started to affect streetwear in Japan again. <laughs> so it's just like, <laughs> And Gina, who knows my roommate, who knows nothing about this uh, series, this anime, all she's seen are trailers. And literally when I mentioned like they're in character design, she immediately reacted and she was like, they are so cool. They look so good. And that's, <laughs> so that's, 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 that's high praise coming from Gina because she's like, 
the fashionista out of all of us. Right? She has very good fashion <laughs> senses. Yeah. Yeah. So I think not to give it to Bleach would be insane. So I definitely voted for Bleach. Um, as much as I dislike Sugar Apple Fairy Tale, I thought it would also be a disservice to not give it the vote for character design. I mainly am impressed in the fact. So part of the reason why I kind of had trouble with Sugar Apple Fairy Tale is because it has such like a soft pastel like fairy tale aesthetic with slavery involved and not very well done slavery in my opinion based at least on the first season and so uh because I didn't watch the second season uh and so but the thing is part of what was contributing to this like push and pull inside me is the character designs I felt like the character designs perfectly encapsulated the um the fairy tale aesthetic to the point where it perfectly encapsulated it a little too much and it came at odds with the actual story that was being involved. So that's why I still ended up um, you know, I still ended up voting for Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. I was kind of like, you didn't have to go that hard, Haruko, uh, Haruko Izuka. <laughs> like you did not have to go that hard with the character design because it made it harder for me to like it, ironically, but boy do I like looking at these characters. <laughs> Um, so yeah, those, those are my two picks. Um, I guess the only two spotlight, other two spotlight I would give is probably Bingo Stray Dogs and Skippin' Loafer, simply because Bingo Stray Dogs character designs are also very iconic now. Like, no one doesn't know what Dazai looks like, or anyone who hasn't, like, seen Bingo Stray Dogs can always recognize a Bingo Stray Dog character, so I think that really tells you the power of, like, what Nobuhiro Arai, the character designer for Bungo Stray Dogs, did. Um, Skipping Loafer, I think, is just very cute and it works for each of the character, like the way that they're designed works for the characters. I do know that a lot of our fans are actually pretty big on Skipping Loafer's character design. So um, at least just based on comments that I've seen as well, I've noticed a lot of people commenting about Skipping Loafer and their character design. So I also thought that that was a little important for me to point out as well in regards to it. Um, but yeah, how are you feeling, Agnes? <laughs> I'm definitely going to give it to Bleach. Um, and now I'm torn between Bungo Stray Dogs or Ocean Cole. Although I did, what did I put for, let me go back real quick. I put, I already put Ocean Cole for best in adapted screenplay. Okay, I'm going to give it to uh, Bungo Stray Dogs then. Ah, you're balancing it out. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, alrighty then, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is best in episode direction and storyboard. So we have Akira. Buddy the- Daddies. <laughs> Sorry. Buddy <laughs> Daddies is not in best in episode direction and storyboard. That's the best in original screenplay. We're almost there. <laughs> wait, wait, where are we at? Best in episode direction and storyboard. <laughs> oh, that's not. Uh, oh, that's not the next one after character design. Hold on, let me find it. That's so weird. What? If that's yeah, so like after character design is best in original screenplay. Huh, huh. Okay, well, we can go there at first. And then when you get to best in episode direction and oh. storyboard, we'll get there. So. Oh, no, we can do best in episode directing storyboard. I found it. Okay. Um, well, we have Akira of the Dead Kazi, uh, from ZOM 100. And then we have Ego Surfing from Oshinoko. Uh, Free for All from Undead Murder Farce. Uh, movie Theater and Facial Muscles from uh, Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible. Oath. From Vinland Saga, Season 2. Red Scale from Jujutsu Kaisen, Season 2. Some Days I'm Sorry from Kawao Gay Choir. I'm actually memorizing these. Uh, the Day of the Disaster from Overtake. The Linking Shot from Tsurune, Season 2. Their Choices from Tengoku Daimakyo. And What's the Difference Between Grown Up and Kids from The Idol Master Cinderella Girls U149. Um, yeah, I, I mean, these are some pretty good choices. What did, what did you end up choosing, Isabel? <laughs> uh, for this one, I ended up choosing a lot of these. I, to be honest, half of them I probably hadn't watched. So I did go to like skip through the episode. Ah, okay. And well, I saw Jujutsu Kaisen and Red Skill is absolutely my favorite epi- like episode. Um, the fight between Itadori and Choso. Mm-hmm. In in a I I was I was blown away by the fact that this was my favorite fight. Um, I think it was had to do with a lot of the colors in the fight as well, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was like there's like water and because they were like fighting in the bathroom. I was like of all places, but it was just way too cool. Uh, especially the way like I could watch that episode multiple times over, and 
the other one I chose is actually Finland Saga, the Oath oh, episode. Oh, yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when I skipped through it, I really like the middle section where I don't know what's going on, but it seems like Thorfinn, <laughs> Thorfinn was like, is this Valhalla? And it was definitely not Valhalla. Um, it was like, where like, it's like this bloody scene with all these. Yes! I guess, it's my favorite. Dead Vikings. You're, yeah, okay, please go ahead. Because like, I was like, this is a blood bath. And it's also like terrifying because they're all like almost dead, but they're still fighting. And like those like scenes of like people with no eyes and things like that. I was like, this is a very haunting type of episode. And I could see why it's on the you know, best in episode directing storyboard. Because even though I have no idea exactly what's going on, I can definitely get like the atmosphere and what I'm supposed to be feeling. So it's basically a PTSD scene with the guilt conscious of Thorfinn because he keeps having nightmares so after he becomes a slave on the farm and he he sleeps in the same like hut with Einar because they're kind of like because Einar hasn't been a slave for as long as Thorfinn has so Thorfinn's basically showing him the ropes and while Einar is sleeping in the same hut as Thorfinn Thorfinn goes through a lot of PTSD dreams and nightmares and this is one of those nightmares where he finds himself like plunged into like a sort of like a purgatory kind of area where he sees all the Vikings killing each other and there's like there's no end to this this violence and suffering and then Asklad appears sort of like as a ghost and basically tells him like well you have two choices you can either accept the fate that you've been doing all your life which is basically killing people or you can try to climb out if you want um, and I think that was like a very evocative scene and kind of like a moment of realization for um, Thorfinn to basically decide where he wants to go in life. Because in, before, if you remember, like in season one, he was so hell-bent on revenge trying to kill Asklad because Asklad killed his dad at the very beginning of season one. So this is where like Thorfinn finally kind of lets go of his past and forgives himself and figure out where he wants to move from there rather than just be kind of like um, held down by all of his quote-unquote like sins, right? Because he kept killing people, including... and. It's hinted that he may have killed like mothers and children too, but mainly out of like self-defense and that he didn't really know at the time because he was just kind of like a slave working for Asklad. Oh, okay. So that's, so, so it's like one of his like dreams or nightmares. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, he has a lot of nightmares, though thankfully Einar tends to wake him up when he thinks it's going too badly, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Einar's the true broski. Yes, because Einar's a teddy bear, so... <laughs> I know! <laughs> I mean, like, that's part of also his um, PTSD and his guilt as well, because and this is more for Isabel, because he knows that he's killed families in the way that yeah. Einar lost his family. And the, the better that Einar treats him, the more guilt he feels because he knows deep down he could have been the one to kill Einar's family. Like it could have actually been him. So, um, so that's like, so that's part of the PTSD as well. And that's also why he keeps like in his nightmares. He also dreams a lot about like a young Einar because there's this guy in his life who's treating him so well and like basically treats him as like a brother, literally like part of a family and stuff. And um, even after, and there's like, there was a moment of like fury and hatred from Einar when he learned that, you know, Thorfinn was part of these warriors who are always going around fighting wars and killing people. But ultimately, Einar was the bigger man and backed off from doing anything and basically said that, you know, he was just like, well, it's not you who killed my family. So there's no point in getting angry at you for something that you never did. And, um, but it's like, it's just that, that sort of like kindness from Einar is kills Torfing inside. Cause knowing that, you know, he might be like, he was like, that could have been me though. Like that would have been me if I was in that time at that place. So, um, so that's part of what leads to that scary. Um, I don't even really think it's scary, but you know, that, that intense sort of nightmare PTSD. So um well for me i um so i picked both for obvious reasons (laughs) um the other one i picked was actually akira of the dead which is the first episode of 100 i thought that episode was just too iconic to not to not Mm. pick like it made such a splash on social media 
I still remember everything about it and the way, like, the way it colors and it turns more and more black and white and more and more black and white. And the screen gets smaller and shorter and boxed in. And there's, like, a certain point where he actually does, um, you know, contemplate unaliving himself. And when he contemplates that, you know, he's, it's just, like, complete grayscale. And the, the screen is so tiny by that point. And then slowly his world starts to expand again with the zombies happening and the colors slowly starting to get reintroduced. And just the direction of that first episode I thought was just so, 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 so good. So I could not ignore it. And I ended up picking um, that as my second choice. How are you feeling, Agnes? Hmm. I might just pick Zom 100 for this one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because I was looking at some of the other ones and I do think that Although I really like Undead Murder Farce Episode 7, I don't think it's the best one. Okay. Uh, for best in episode directing and storyboarding. I preferred the um, the werewolf arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Undead Murder Farce, I felt like either that one or the beginning arc of Undead Murder Farce with the vampire family. Yeah. That was really interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> the middle arc is more of like, here's a, here's a kind of like a weird filler arc where we're going to introduce important characters that will happen later. Which is mainly about like the all the Moriarty villains that pop up, and although the Carmilla fight against Shizune was really good, I thought the later Shizuka versus um, Shizuka versus Carmilla fights were much better. Um, in the werewolf arc versus episode seven is still in the the London arc, which I thought was kind of like eh. So I think I might have to give it my other vote to A Cure of the Dead episode one. So, Isabel, now that I know that you actually looked through each of them, you know, like, uh, did you have any other thoughts of the ones that you looked at? <laughs> yeah, the other one, let's see, the other one I also looked at, I agree with Under Murder Farce, I rewatched that episode or a little bit, skipped through, I was like, this, it was interesting, but it was. I don't think this was the episode either. Yeah, Isabel was like, this ain't it. <laughs> yeah, not it. Their choices for Tengoku. Daimakyo also I could kind of see it but I think it was more of like I guess um see more of like their I guess what they like the characters were doing in the episode wasn't it didn't stand out to me too much and then I thought you might have liked Overtake because that episode was where the the camera person oh my god photographer had been taking that uh, picture of like the aftermath and was like pic- taking a picture of that one girl running away. Do you remember that one? Yes. Um. So I think story wise, that one affected me the most. Uh, mm-hmm. But story wise isn't enough. Um. That's an episode direction. A storyboard is how it looks. It's much more about visuals than you expect, and so it's easy to put those two together when mm-hmm. um. Because usually how it how the episode directed often enhances the story. That's why Oath is here. Um, and that's why everyone kept talking about Oath. Because the story was already strong. But the way it was directed is what makes it stronger. I thought for that particular episode, especially in comparing to the other episodes on here, the way that it was portrayed was impactful but I thought the story itself was already there. I didn't feel like it necessarily elevated it, so. Mm, okay. The other one that was surprising is that, yeah, I know we didn't talk about Idolmaster, but I, I, now that we are here, I was like, I remember skipping through this episode. I thought it was very interesting in terms of like the colors or like there's this one scene where one of the girls is like in the ocean and there's like a giant fish and she's like in a glass bowl oh, that's in the middle of the ocean. I have oh. I have no idea on the context, but I thought this would definitely be like episode directing storyboard. It's like a contrast. Yeah, between what's I was like, it definitely is in the right uh-huh. spot. Then in that case, <laughs> yeah, I would say so. So yeah, but I couldn't vote for it because I like I I don't really know the context uh, outside of that. But I thought you know if if people did watch this show, I think this possibly might be one of it. I thought I thought the colors and the art behind it was actually pretty nice. That's cool. I'm glad that you saw. This. <laughs> <laughs> or else we would definitely wouldn't have known <laughs> yeah um but yes are you ready to move on to the next one perhaps yep hell yeah so okay. now we are on best in original screenplay uh we have 16-bit sensation another layer 
Bang Dream, It's My Go, Birdie Wing Golf, Girls Story Season 2, Buddy Daddies, High Card, Magical Destroyers, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Wish from Mercury Season 2, Overtake, Revenger, Yohane, The Barhelian, Sunshine in the Mirror. So I personally think there are two very obvious right answers. <laughs> I, like, I think <laughs> not picking these, like, I think these are the right answers. So because I think these are the right answers and I'm that stubborn about it, Isabel, I want you to go first. <laughs> you want me to go first? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that voice sounds oh. so, like, uh, unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I know one for sure is going to be Buddy Daddies. And I was Hell like, the, sec- yeah. the second one, what the heck? And I was like, okay, it's just Overtake. Is that it? Okay, the two that's, correct that's answers? Good. Yes, that, that's it. That's the, everything else is wrong. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, yeah, I would agree with that. Buddy Daddies is good. Overtake was something that was surprising to me too. So those were also my two votes. I've heard okay. I've heard great things about Bane Dream. It's my go. I think actually uh, Agnes's boy would agree because he was the one who was pushing me about it. So, um, but I just I'm just like objectively here. It's Buddy Daddies and Overtake. Like I'm sorry, it is. Bonus. Well, yeah, obviously because you guys have seen both Buddy Daddies and Overtake. So <laughs> wait, what? Wait, okay, obviously you're voting for Buddy Daddies, Agnes. Like, oh, obviously Buddy Daddies has my vote, but everything else is kind of like a free vote. <laughs> because high card i don't think has reached the pinnacle of its story yet right even though yeah I, even though i really love the character design in high card i love the um the kingsman movies right those are really cool oh, and yeah. to watch, which is what it's based off of um but the high card the story hasn't really reached its full pinnacle yet i think it's reaching its actual climax in this current season mm-hmm where they talk about now all of the other like mafia families and like their relationships with each other and why the cards are like separated in the first place. <clears throat> so that I think I have to reserve for high card for next year if season two actually finishes the story next year. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch Mercury season two did not end well with bo- with the Bankai, Bandai Namco fiasco. <laughs> so I'm not going to choose that out of, out of um, sheer spite. Out of principle. <laughs> out of Yes, I say out of principle, but it's actually sheer spite. <laughs> um, we both watched Revengers, Gracie and I. It's not Gen Uroboshi's greatest work. No, the, we the both antagonist was just dumb. Like, I don't get why they had to include that at the end. I have to say, like, Reven- what I liked about Revengers is that there's a martial arts bit that was, like, pretty accurate, I would say, as a martial arts between, like, a, a sword user, like a kenjutsu user, especially someone from the Satsuma province. There's some historical background actually with that too, versus like an actual like Chinese martial artist, which I thought was really cool in Revengers that there's like some interesting historical tidbits in there. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty accurate for martial arts lore type of thing. But overall, the story was not well executed. So I can't say it's the best in original screenplay. Um, I watched a bit of Magical Destroyers, but it's really zany, like super, super zany that I don't know how well they could have even tied up the ending so I stopped watching it. <laughs> um, Overtake, I have not seen. I know you guys still praise it to the moon, but I don't think I sh- can vote for original screenplay if I haven't watched it yet. Um, but at the same time, there's not that many great options either. So I'm torn between Overtake and just voting for Bang Dream out of spite. <laughs> so <laughs> you, could, you could support your boy if you want to. <laughs> I yeah, I'll do that. that. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> uh. Man, just I, to make it easier for myself. I hope Buddy Daddy's win. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just hope Buddy Daddy's wins something. Okay, yeah. that's all I hope for. If they win something, that means that they might get a season two. I don't know. I, I just I just want more Buddy Daddy things. So. <laughs> uh, righty. So now we come to our last one, which is best in series and visuals, and we have Arc Knights, Parish, and Frost. Cory Mia, The Missing Pieces, Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, My Happy Marriage, Skip and Loafer, Stardust Telepath, Tengoku Daimakyo, Sudane, The Linking Shot, Vinland Saga Season 2, and Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. Um, I actually think this is a pretty stacked list of nominees. I think they all look very, very beautiful in regards to their sceneries and visuals. I, uh, I ultimately gave my votes to Skip and Loafer and Sudane, The Linking Shot, um, a skip and loafer, I think, is very clever in the way that they use their sceneries and visuals. Um, it's 
uh, for first of all, it's the way they use color and light. That's like the first thing. Um, an episode that's always stuck in my head from Skip and Loafer that I just can't forget because I just love the way they did it is the girls when they were having a sleepover and it's just warm and it's very pastel with the furniture and the cushions and the blankets. And then we just cut to Shima and his very, very toxic friend. I don't even know if we can count her as a friend because she's honestly very abusive and um, nothing romantic going on. But, you know, platonic, toxic, abusive relationships absolutely happen. And basically when he's like, not wanting to be there very obviously and she's like forcing him to come along they're at night so it makes sense that there's like lights of like from the signs and stuff like that but a lot of times the signs at nights are kind of neon colored especially in japan it's very neon colored and it gives off this very sickly green glow and it's such a smart contrast i feel like of the warmth and the emotional intimacy and the emotional support that Mitsumi was experiencing with her girlfriends at a sleepover with all the pastel colors where it's easy on the eyes and it's pleasant to look at versus Shima being stuck in such an, uh, like a toxic, abusive friendship and being essentially being in that sickly lighting. So I think that like it is beautiful, regardless, Skip and Loafer sceneries and visuals are beautiful, but I think its ability to use it to tell the story as well is what really, really brings it up a notch. So um, so that's why I did sceneries and visuals and for Skip and Loafer. And honestly, Surene, the linking shot does the exact same thing. Um, it's obviously a lot more crisper and cleaner because of the fact that, you know, this is the uh, production company that made uh, Violet Evergarden. Violet Evergarden sceneries and visuals is very, very famous. And I, f- I think it won our awards too when it was um, when it was a nom- um, nominee that year. So it's the same thing. Extraordinary lighting. Um, it, it looks drop dead gorgeous. You can pause any scene and you'll think it looks beautiful. Um, and, and it also uses it to tell the story of the um, of the characters and of what they're feeling at that time. So, uh, so yeah, so those are my two picks. But honestly, I think a lot of them are very, very good regardless. So I'm really curious to hear how you feel about the selection, Isabel, and what you ended up picking. Yeah, for these, I agree. There's a lot of good choices here as well. Um, and then... But then for me, ultimately, I also picked Tsurune. Okay. And Psalm 100. Psalm 100, okay. <laughs> yes. I, I like Psalm 100 because I thought it did a good job of... Because how Akira and his friends, they, like, travel from place to place to place. So I thought, you know, we had a good oh. ima- like imagery of the cityscape. Oh, that's a good one. In yeah. a shop, like, underground the hostess bar like i can like point out each place that maybe like they they had been to right on the road in the rv like they did so much stuff and so i thought it was nice that you know the landscape behind was like changing and the visuals and the visuals like even the zombies like chasing after them it's kind of it could be really funny or really scary Mm -hmm. um and then also when he got to his hometown it was kind of like a change of pace right like his dad and parents are like farmers or his whole village type of thing um, I almost felt like it was a little bit like spirit away in a sense when they were, saw that tunnel as well. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's a mm-hmm. good point. Yeah. Yeah. So then like the sunset. So I thought it was really beautiful in the sense that the, these are things that you might, you know, if if the world were in the zombie apocalypse, these are things that you might see your focus on. And so uh, that's why I ultimately gave it to Psalm 100 for that reason. But yeah, I, I, I didn't really think about too much other than that. Um, yeah, definitely voted for those two. What about you, Agnes? What did you think? I have to give to Zum 100 for sure, because I do agree mm. that there's so much detail in the background for a very vibrant, like, Tokyo setting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a um, really deep city, a lot of skyscrapers, apartments, and it's very, very detailed, even with a lot of the zombies going around. Um, there's also a lot of <laughs> details with like the RVs that they drive in, yeah. um, which was a really funny scene because it's like, you know, they get really excited going into an RV warehouse and you see all these different types of variety of RVs in the background. None of them look the same. It's not like in the sceneries and visuals, they just decide to take like one style of an RV and just copy and paste it in the background. But it's just all very mm-hmm. detailed and very stylistic. And I also like how you were talking about the the different changes in pace, how it goes from like super hyper city 
to like um the open country back roads and then finally like to his hometown when it shows like that gradual pace and change which i really liked um so i might give it to one zomb 100 as well and i think the other one i think is a little bit more surprising would have been my happy marriage for best sceneries and visuals because a lot of the My Happy Marriage backgrounds for that time period is pretty accurate to a lot of photos during the um during that era. It's pre-Showa, so it's not it's not Meiji. What is the the era before Meiji? Oh, or you mean Taisho? Meiji era. Yeah, Taisho era. There you go. Yeah. I always forget the name of it, but I know what happens during the Taisho era. <laughs> so I was just like, wow, My Happy Marriage, like the background scenery is like it marries together the old. Uh, buildings that you would see in the Meiji era, but then also marry in a lot of the other visual aspects that you see in the Taisho era, where it's like a little bit more conservative. It's a little less Western. It's more Japanese, but you can see like there's a there's a big like there's a fluidity that comes into a lot of the buildings in Kudo's house, which is obviously very Japanese, and then in some of the architecture that you see in um the the office or like the police station that he works in the supernatural unit that he works in and then also the house of the arisaka family i think the glasses wielding dude you can see that there's like a blend of both japanese and uh western architecture blended in i thought that they did a really good job of just overall bringing all those pieces together for backgrounds and sceneries in my happy marriage I remember you talking about the, uh, you, you were pretty excited about seeing I was very excited. I was like, was. wow, there's so much detail in this. <laughs> oh, man. I think another, um, but yeah, all of these are, honestly, these are all very gorgeous. Um, yeah. Like I mean, I, if I was an Arcanite's player, I would definitely give it to Perish in the Frost. It's um, beautiful, be- yeah. <laughs> it's honestly very beautiful, yeah. And I played like a very slight bit of Arcanite, not to the extent that some of our other staff who are really into the game. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, like, for a game that is still running, you know, like Fate Grand Order, mm-hmm. still makes money, still goes out to these conventions, and then they have now an anime too. They're doing some really good job on this on this series. So my kudos goes to Arcanites if I had if I was able to give a third choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, and, uh, yeah, Horimiya was beautiful, um, there's some really beautiful, Stardust Telepath, this is its only nominee, nomination, but the, the stylization of the sceneries and visuals is gorgeous as well, so, yeah, um, alright, but we do have one last one, so I'm gonna go ahead and move on, so, um, it's best in soundtrack, which a lot of people, oh gosh, no, we have two, <laughs> so, never mind, <laughs> we can- uh, we can go overboard for this. It's not. It's not a requirement to keep it within the hours. Right. A lot. Um. So yes, best of soundtrack we have. Is it Ron and Pick Up Girls in Dungeon? Uh, season four, part two. Jujutsu Kaisen season two. Mashal Magic and Muscles. Spy Family season two. The Ancient Magus Bride season two. The Eminence and Shadow. The Rising of the Shield Hero season three. Sudane the Linking Shot. Undead Murder Farce and Vinland Saga season. Honestly, I'm going to be dead serious with you guys. I always thought the soundtrack was the hardest one to vote for. Soundtrack can be difficult, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, I feel like it's just so hard to vote for them sometimes. But for me, it was unquestionably Mashal, Magic, and Muscle. I love that soundtrack. (laughs) It's really funny because when I started watching Mashal (laughs) very late, I thought the sound was sounded very similar to Hiroki Sawano. Uh-huh. There's like some beats in some of the soundtrack that sounds very similar to Hiroki Sawano's stuff. But now that I look at the composer, I'm like, oh, it's this guy. I have to vote for him on principle now. Masahara Yokoyama, I think I highlighted him for best like composer. Yes. In our last uh, Can Girl you Talk believe episode. This guy did the soundtrack for Fruits Basket because they sound yeah. nothing alike. <laughs> oh yeah, Masuru Yokohama has a range. He did the music for um, uh, Gundam uh, Blood, uh, Iron Blood Orphans. Oh, so, he also did that one. Wow. Yeah, he did that one. He has a massive range. So I ha- I love Masu- uh, Masaru Yokohama's work in general. So oh I have to pick him out of principle. Yeah, no, uh, Marshall is like, that was the first thing I noticed. And that was actually what got Ajita, my roommate, to watch with me. Because I was just like, I was like, why is the music going so hard? And, so, and then and then she watched the first episode after that. And she was like, I understand what you mean. But the music going so hard. It's, yeah, it's 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 insane. It's, it's amazing. So, uh, Isabel, what, what are you voting for? 
<laughs> yeah, so like you said, this is very hard for me because I rarely notice background music. And even if I go back to listen to it, I just I just can't. Like, it has to stand out. And obviously that, to me, was also Mashal. Because in the first season, I'm like, why is this music here? Or why is it ongoing? Um, and even the second season, I'm like, okay, all right, it's this, there, the, there's the music. Um, I don't know, it's just like, like, I notice it for some reasons compared to other series. Like, Ancient Magnus Bride, maybe like one or two tracks. But like, even then, I can't really tell. Um, and so actually this category like soundtrack overall, I, I only gave it to one, which was Mashal. Um, because the other ones, even if I did watch the show, like Jujutsu Kaisen or Spy Family, they just didn't really stand out to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I didn't vote for them. I definitely think that Ancient Magus Bride Season 2 soundtrack is all right, but I think it does best in its insert songs and like opening songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that has a lot of impact, especially like the Ancient Magus Bride Season 2 opening. So I kind of agree with you that it doesn't really quite fit in best of soundtrack. And I definitely would not vote for it either. But if it's my only like second pick, then I might be compelled to vote for it. Um I guess there's a couple other ones. I know I've seen some of the clips from Eminence of Shadow now that I listen to um, the clips of Sid just being super melodramatic. <laughs> so, okay, isn't I'm, the voice actor good? He's so he's good. He's so good. I know. Um, um, so I, I don't know what the extent of the actual soundtrack is for the Eminence of Shadow because I'm so much more captivated with his theater kid-like performance. <laughs> um but I don't know. What do you guys think? I know like Kevin Penkin is like a fan favorite in the anime community in general with his work in the Rise of the Shielding, Rising of the Shield Hero. But I think that's also a little bit biased too. Um, to be honest, I don't remember the soundtrack that much for Undead Murder Farce. Um, and I'm not sure how good the soundtrack is for Surune either. So I, uh, I, my second pick, I was honestly very torn between Sudane and Vinland Saga season two. Um, okay. Vinland Saga season two, some of its soundtrack just straight up made me cry. Like, I don't need to see anything. And I just listed, I'm just like, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, but that's a, that's a me problem. <laughs> so, um, definitely a you problem. Yeah. Definitely a me problem. Uh, Sudane, the reason why I really like the soundtrack for Sudane is that they incorporated the sound of the Sudane into the soundtrack. So that that very, like, you know, that very iconic noise of how every arrow sounds differently, they put that into the music. And I was really impressed by that. So that's, like, one of the biggest reasons why I... um why I vote like or why I struggled between Vinland Saga and Sudune. I'm gonna be honest with y'all I don't remember <laughs> which of the two I picked I just okay. know I was like Masha <laughs> like Masha <Marshall> is it <laughs> hmm in this case I'll put I put Vinland Saga season two <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh I I hope Yamashita Salwa is best voice actor <laughs> to do with the aspects but still i hope they win <laughs> oh don't worry i'm putting my vote into yamashita for okay. you perfect thank you <laughs> Alrighty, so now we get to the final one which is best in voice cast and we have buddy daddies horimiya the missing pieces jujutsu kaisen season two oshinoko overtakes skip and loafer spy family season two tomochan is a girl undead murder farce and vinland saga season two isabel who did you vote for <laughs> Um, let's see. What did I vote for? I have my little thing. Oh, yes. Okay. So what I voted for was Oshinoko and Jujutsu Kaisen season two. <laughs> Good picks. Good picks. Okay. I feel like it's hard though. I was, I, I was like looking at Buddy Daddies for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was looking at Tomo-chan as a girl, but then I realized that I, I watched the dub. So. Oh, you did? How was the dub? Interesting. I actually really liked the dub. I think they did a really good job. The localization was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who plays Carol Olsen also did both the Japanese and the English yes, yes. by herself. She, so that's, lot, that's awesome. That made her instantly iconic for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, I, I didn't really watch the Japanese, so I can't really vote for it. But I'm sure it was pretty good as well based on, I feel like, how the English dub went. Undead Murder for us was also really nice. Yeah, I feel like the cat. Yeah, I was like the cast. This is so hard. Well, I definitely gave it to Oshinoko though because um, I really like you know Akane's performance 
uh, from Manaka Iwami, mm-hmm. and and ultimately because I liked Yuji a lot in Jujutsu Kaisen, in the Shibuya arc, I I ultimately gave it to that. I feel like I, honestly I should probably be picking for like, you know, like single voice actors, but in this instance I just chose that because, <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't too sure about Horimiya or the other ones, but. Yeah, those were like the votes or like the shows that I was like struggling to do, but ultimately I chose those two. I'm curious to hear what you picked though, Gracie, because I feel like you've seen a lot of these and you may have different votes than I do. Um, I also picked Jujutsu Kaisen for voice cast. I think oh, it's like okay. I think it's 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 a little hard to not pick Jujutsu Kaisen for voice cast. They all the characters really brought their their all into this. So, mm-hmm. um, I uh, what did I pick? I think we're the, I actually I think we might have picked the same things because I'm pretty sure I also oh. picked Oshinoko. So <laughs> um, I I do want to just give a quick shout out to Overtake because I feel like that's the one that most people are not going to think about. So a fun fact of Overtake is that the majority of the voice cast are all newbies. This is like their first major role. So the fact that this is their first major role and they're doing such a good job with it, I, I did feel like that deserves some praise. But yeah, I think I ultimately picked Jujutsu Kaisen season two and Oshinoko. I mean, it was hard, but I, it's just if we're thinking about like chemistry of the cast, you know, it was kind of like Bochi the Rock last year. Like, there's no question about the chemistry between the cast of Bochi the Rock. I feel like between um, how the synergy and the chemistry of the cast of Jujutsu Kaisen season two and Oshinoko just kind of takes the cake. So, <laughs> got it. Okay, Agnes, how are you feeling? Hmm. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Since I haven't seen Jujutsu, I don't know if I should choose on principle Jujutsu Kaisen or Oshinoko as one of them. And then choosing another one either from Buddy Daddies or Vinland Saga Season 2. <clears throat> Although now that I think about it, I think for Buddy Daddies, I feel like Koki Uchiyama really carried it in the series. I really like the last episode where he shoots his arm. He has a really good delivery on that one. Kazuki's just crying. <laughs> <Corey>. Yeah. <laughs> It was a really good delivery. Like I was really shocked. Like I, I like the chemistry between all three of them in general, but Koki Uchiyama's delivery at the very end is just super duper impactful um, to just really tie the story in together. Um, and then Toshiyuki Toyonaga really comes out with the whole like frantic parenthood of a dad who's just screaming his head off every now and then because it's just so hectic. So it looks it fits really well. Uh, but the cast is pretty small in terms of like best in voice cast. And the same thing goes for Villain Saga 2, uh, season 2, is that all the characters have like their standout moments of where they do really well. But because it's such a small cast, I feel like it's sh- the best in voice cast should go to another group that is much larger and that have better chemistry overall. Um, so I might have to give it to... I voted to Jujutsu Kaisen last time, and I voted for Oshinoko recently. Which one do I balance out first? Nah, just vote for them. Okay, I'll just vote for both of them then. Makes my life easier. Vote secured. Vote secured, okay. Well, um, that officially actually uh, ends our Aspect Awards. So everyone, there is less than a week left. So please go vote at antitrans.com slash ATA. And uh, we'll see if you uh, agree with our choices or not. But ultimately, crossing our fingers, we'll see who the winner is. And we will be back to our usual topics of just overall otaku stuff. But I hope everyone enjoyed this week's episode. And we hope you'll still be here next time. So bye everyone bye bye